Let's put our hands together and thank God for the, that incredible story of faith and uh, that she was rescued. And uh, she happens to be sitting on the back row, her and her husband, in a little cassette, the star. So, hey, we're so excited about you being a mom. Happy Mother's Day. And what a powerful story. We want to do that from time to time. We're going to be telling life stories. So you're the first. You're famous. Okay. I'll tell you what, today I have longed for this for a long time. If you'll look across the top of your worship guide, turn it over to the back. There's a little addition there. It says Pastor Keith and Donna Waldrop. I've been a pastor now for the last 26 years. And my wife's an incredible believer, warrior, mom. And she leads women's groups. She does retreats. She, you know, she does all that, but she just does not like this platform like me, like not at all. And these lights freak her out. So I've been uh, encouraging her, coercing her, bribing her, and, and the Holy Spirit's been working, and she consented. So I want you to welcome the best mom that I know, my wife, Donna Waldrop. Donna, come up and join me today, sweetie. <laughs> so she's going to come, and we have done this once, and she's still scared to death, so y'all really be kind. And after the last service, I'm just going to tell you, they asked me, why don't you let her preach? But anyway, and uh, they said, man, she's good. She's got some stuff to say. And I totally agree, and I'm glad that uh, God gave her to me as my wife and the mother of our girls. It's such an honor. So <laughs> today we're going to talk about principles from Scripture. We're going to talk about our lives. And also, you know, I've been thinking about this mother thing, and the way it starts, it's like uh, the word includes labor. You know, so I go over to the labor and delivery suite at the hospital like I did this week. And you women know what it is to labor, don't you? I'm convinced. <laughs> if it was up to us men to have children, we'd have a very small world. And all the men said, no, I'm chicken. <laughs> Not an amen. And we know that. Would you agree, men? So we're grateful for the ladies in our life, our wives. We're grateful for our moms, for grandmothers, for all those incredible people. Well, today we want to talk about some things with you. So let's go ahead and jump in, turn to the back of your worship guide and, and get ready, put your seatbelt on because we're going to cover this together. <laughs> Seven survival strategies that we think, because we want you to thrive, not just survive, but we want you to thrive in parenting and being a mom. Number one, realize that you are loved by God. You know, this is such a very basic, simple statement of faith, but there are some women that have already been on this campus that are here right now that somehow they feel worthless, they don't feel valued, they don't feel honored. They think, how could God love somebody like me? Today is a day filled with lots of plans. Many of you have already had a good day. You're going to have a better afternoon. <clears throat> At the same time, I know there's pain. I was reminded after the last services, I walked out in the foyer and a mom walked up to me and she's just lost a child and she had tears just flowing down her cheek and it, and it, just, it just killed me. And I said, I know God's got something special for you. And there's some of you today, you're infertile. And Don and I understand that because we deal with people in our church and we praise God for adoption. And so many have adopted kids in, in our church and will adopt. Some of you, today you have a child that's wandered from faith and you're crying out to God for them to return. Uh, just, you know, maybe their own addictions. Maybe they've made some wrong choices. But today could be a day of joy and it could be a day of struggle. So Don and I want to be sensitive to that. But we want to keep reminding you of one thing. Ladies, your love by your heavenly Father. He's crazy about you. <laughs> Let's go to Scripture. It's typed there at the very top of your worship guide, and it says from Isaiah, the 54th chapter, the 10th verse, it says, Though the mountains be shaken, the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Ladies, men, people that hear my voice today, God's love is steadfast. 
It is constant. It cannot be shaken. We just need to be reminded. I uh, know Donna's going to share a couple of scriptures here. Deuteronomy 4.31 says, For the Lord our God is a merciful God. He will not abandon or destroy you or forget the covenant with your forefathers, which he confirmed to them by oath. He's always there. He's always watching, always protecting, and always faithful. It really touches my heart to know that he never takes his eyes off of me. Another scripture that has really spoken in my life is um, Psalms 91.11, where he says, He will give command of his angels concerning you to guard and watch you in all your ways. Another verse about angels, Hebrews 1.14, Are not angels sent to serve those who have inherited salvation? That really struck me one day how important I was to the Lord, that the very angels who I tend to think are above me are literally sent to serve me, to watch over me. It shows me the compassion of the Lord and how special I am to him. Absolutely. I mean, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, Scripture teaches. There's another passage we want to just remind us of this morning from Romans. The Apostle Paul speaking in the 8th chapter, the 37th to the 39th verse. Hear the words of Scripture. Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. In other words, we're loved. Ladies, you are loved. And it is based not on performance, but on the grace we find in Jesus Christ. That is awesome news to all of us today of faith to know that we don't have to work our way into the kingdom of God because this amazing love of the Father knows no limits. And it just goes. And, it, and we're praying that today that love of Christ would penetrate your heart, that women, that somehow you would feel accepted and loved because God says so. You wouldn't believe the lie of the enemy any longer. The second point is this. Get ready to write. Remember the lesson of all. A-W-E. <laughs> all stands for affection, warmth, and encouragement. And I want to talk about these three things with Donna right now. Number one, that we want to communicate uh, this uh, affection that guys has, is that ladies, I believe, women of faith, it is your job, and y'all do this so much better than us men, that y'all set the emotional, spiritual thermostat in the home. Y'all set the tone for what kind of home we have of, of, of less chaos than it could be. I mean, men, could you imagine having your home without your women? You say, yeah, and it's pretty crazy. Uh, women usually tend to get this affection thing. They tend to want to hold people and hug them and kiss them. And yes, even women, I can remember Donna doing this with our girls, they get a boo-boo and she would even kiss the boo-boo. How many of you men want to kiss boo-boos? Not me. I mean, this is kind of germy. And y'all kind of go past that. And y'all are affectionate. There could be some dads here today, and you're very affectionate. I'm pretty affectionate as a dad. <laughs> but there's something intuitively, something in the heart that God has made women to be this affectionate creature. And, and we're grateful for that. The other thing is, Jesus certainly understood the importance of touch and affection. Let me prove that from the Gospel of Mark. Listen to Scripture. People were bringing children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom like a little child will never enter it. He took the children in his arms, he put them in his arms, he loved them, and he did what? He blessed them. That's what Jesus does. He's our model, isn't he, women? He's our model, isn't he, dads? He's our model, people of God. And as a look at that, he communicates affection. The W stands for warmth. 
God wants us to have an environment of warmth in our home. And I think women really know how to do this. They create a home that is not so chaotic and so crazy. I think they bring that, that tender love of Christ. But I have to say this. All homes have conflict. Some homes have more war zones than others. If Robert and Jason had gotten out and filmed our home, we have times of lots of love. But there's sometimes in our home you go, but you're our pastor. I put on my pants just like you. Sometimes our home has a little conflict, uh, a little drama. Do I have a witness? Do y'all have drama in your home? <laughs> if you're human, you do. And uh, so, but we want, we don't want a negative, critical war zone, but we understand there's times that it, so it's not easy parenting. We want to limit the drama. There's two questions I want you to write in quickly. What is your attitude, women, towards your home? What is your attitude towards your children? Yes, what is your attitude even toward your spouse, toward your husband? And secondly is, what do you contribute to the emotional, spiritual tone that brings the warmth and the love of Christ? I like what Abe Lincoln said. He says, when you look for the bad in people, you should certainly find it. But he also said the opposite is true. When we look for the good in people, we find that too. And I think moms are really good at that. Donna wants to go ahead and build on this a little more. So, sweetheart, share that with us. Um, we've always believed that our house should be a place of acceptance where our children feel accepted, their friends are accepted. We also feel like our home should be a place of order, um, not to the you know nth degree, but that there should be order not in just the way our home is kept, but also in the way that um, we value one another. Um, we also want to guard our home. As much as I love for my home to be open to my children's friends, there are times that it's a no-friend zone. And uh, what I mean by that is there are times that it just needs to be us. And so there's times when I say, you know what, tonight no one's having dinner with us but our family. Right. Uh, this time it'll just be us watching the movie. Uh, you have to protect that time with your family. It's very important. Another thing we have found is how important traditions are. We never realized until about six or eight months ago how many we had. Rachel was sharing some different things with a friend, and they're like, you guys have a lot of traditions. We didn't even realize we did. Um, but one of ours is to try to have family mealtime together. And it's gotten harder and harder as the girls have gotten older to do it every night, but we purpose to do that several times a week. Um, and by that, not to put moms on a guilt trip, don't worry, it's not always a homemade meal. Um, it's not even always at home. Uh, we have a Tuesday night standing thing at Zaxby's, and it's just kind of a Waldrop rule that you plan your schedule around on Tuesday nights, you're going to be at Zaxby's and we're going to eat together. And uh, so it's really important, and you find out later as your children grow older how much those things mean to them and how much security that brings in their life. You know, when you talk about Tuesdays, when we walk into Zaxby's, the, the employees go, it's Tuesday, mm -hmm. and we don't even have to give the order. They already know what it is. It's already ready when But we, get we have there. a booth that we've paid for that sits over in the corner. Literally, we have paid for that booth. And, uh, but that is a sacred time that we just do family. So we don't want to invite you to dine with us on Tuesday night. You find your own booth. Okay, go ahead, sweetheart. You were going to do it. Oh, I'm time. next. So here you go. <laughs> I'm not used to having somebody back and forth. This is so fun. And there's beauty on the stage today. Okay, here we go. Provide. Uh, I'm not a sucker. Okay, I'm not stupid. Provide tons of encouragement. Affection. Warmth and encouragement. You know, we all need to be built up. We need to be edified. The scripture's clear about that. And somebody once said it takes nine or ten compliments versus one negative. And here's a rule that I shared last service and I want to share it again. If I ever say something that just really rattles you or you think it's unbiblical or you get upset, here's my rule. Do not tell me on Sunday. I labor, 
There's that word. I labor all week getting ready to present. And Donna really understands that now more than she ever has. She's been laboring as we've been working on this message together. But when I walk out of here about 1 o'clock, I'm exhausted. I don't need to hear something negative. Now, if you want to give me money, if you want to give me hugs, if you want to give me encouragement, let's go for it. But if there be a time that you want to correct me, that is fine. Wait till Monday. Simply give me a call, send me an email, and we'll get together. Is that true? Are you not the same way? Because the thing you remember is what? Usually that one negative critical comment, and it takes so many more to get us going. So we provide tons of encouragement in our home. Uh, <coughs> I read this story about a family. They said they had an affirmation jar that sat on the kitchen table. And pe- members of the family would make notes during the week, and they would drop them in there. So maybe a kid was having a hard time in a class, or maybe the girlfriend broke up with them, or life was just hard, or, or dad you know, didn't get the race, and you just go and you pull a word of encouragement out. I also read this. If you pour water on flowers, they will flourish. If you don't, they will die. We need much encouragement. God's created us to be that kind of people. We need it. Remember to show appreciation in the house of faith. Remember to show appreciation to others. Shower at home. Boost others up. But be sincere. Be genuine. If you look at that in the Greek, sincere means to be without wax. It means to be the real deal. Proverbs 12.25 says, An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers them up. It lifts them. It elevates them to a new place. But I like what Mark Twain said. I can live off one good compliment for a week. I'm not as spiritual as Mark Twain. I need at least a, one good compliment a week. How about you, people? And moms, that is your role, is to provide lots of encouragement in the home. And I know Donna wants to share some things here. One thing we've always <coughs> noticed is we as moms are really good at catching our children doing things wrong. But I try to make an effort in our house to catch them doing things right, to point out the giftings that I see God's given them, to show them that I see them being kind and appreciative. I also take the time each day to make sure that I compliment them on how they take care of themselves. You look beautiful today. I love, mm-hmm. I love what you chose to wear. Um, you know, you have such a sweet attitude. I just constantly try to put out that praise several times each morning before they ever even leave the house. And I know um, at once I had a friend who seemed to think it might be a little overdone and maybe we do i don't know i hope not um but what i have learned is the minute they walk out our front door there's a whole world waiting to tear them down just one comment and so what i hope is that in our home we fill their tank just enough that by the time they go to school and someone tries to deplete it there's still enough resources there to get them through that day so i just encourage you to catch your children doing things right and tell them you know she says that i'm reminded you women are simply Amazing. We're grateful for your leadership, for your role in our home. And some of you do it better than others, but we can all learn and grow. But I was looking at Proverbs 31. I always like to look at this. <coughs> I know I hear women sometimes, they go, can I be honest? I go, yeah, they go, I hate the Proverbs 31 woman. She's like superwoman. Yeah. She's like beautiful. Her hair's always fixed. She never goes to sleep. She does this and this and this. And she's just, she's incredible. Well, she probably doesn't exist. But the idea is that God wants us to become a woman like that. And yet, I can say this about Donna. The scripture says that her husband is respected at the gate. I'm greatly respected in the community because of my wife. She honors me. She honors our marriage covenant. She honors our girls. But then, I was, as I was meditating this week, I want you to look at Proverbs 31. Turn there quickly with me. And I don't want anybody to be in a, on a guilt trip here. And maybe you'll be encouraged by this passages today, or maybe you'll say, this is my model, this is what God desires, because she's a woman of strength and dignity. But if you look at verse 28, I want you to hear the words of Scripture. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, 
and he praises her. Would y'all not agree here today that women are a blessing for the Most High King? And we need to bless them. And children need to rise up and go, Mom, you are blessed. Not, Mom, you are stupid. Mom, you are dumb. Mom, you don't have a clue. And we won't go into any of that. Uh, I like what Jim Burns said, a guy that we met some 25, 30 years ago. He's a great leader of parenting. He says, affirmation is a much greater motivator than guilt and shame. We don't want to guilt our kids. We don't want to shame our kids into right behavior. We want to love them by the love of Christ. And the third thing, I want you to look there quickly. We want to, on a regular basis, release a supermom myth. How many of you moms feel like you're supermom, that you got it all together and you do it perfect? Raise your hands. See, I have no takers again this service. <laughs> I've got good news. You know, a super mom uh, is a person that seems to have it all together. They're never frazzled. They're never unorganized. They smell good. They never smell like baby barf, even after the kid's thrown up on them. I mean, they just seem to have their act together. They juggle the career. There's never bags under their eyes. On and on and on you go, huh? That person does not exist. We want to dispel the supermom myth because if you have your set your stuff up somehow for perfection, when the reality kicks in, you're going to fall and you're going to fall hard. Uh, Don and I like to go to model homes sometimes and I know people in our community like to do that. We have a really fun parade of homes and that in our city. And you go over to the homes and they're always neat because you see the latest of architecture and you see the newest appliances and surround sound systems. You know us guys are all into that. And you walk in and they have this aroma that is just wonderful. It doesn't smell like any humans live there. And they have fresh cut flowers. There's no dust. The magazines are properly laid out. There's something cooking in the kitchen. You're thinking, wow! And you women, I know what you're thinking. You do that and you go, why does my home not look like that? I've got a question. Write it in. Or here's the answer. People. People live in your house. Do you not agree? I mean, we just make an incredible mess. So the, the thing I'm trying to get across to you right now is there's not a super mom. I mean, we all have our imperfections. And Donna wants to really kind of elaborate on this and speak to us about the super mom myth. When you think about the super mom, she's that lady who does everything for everybody and she never grows tired. But if you really picture that person, or maybe you've met her before, you thought that's who she was, the sad thing is most people are so intimidated by that air that they're just going to stay away from you and keep your distance. And I know that's not what any of us would want. Also, a point that God revealed to me, because I could be guilty of wanting to try to be the super mom, is that by doing everything for everybody... She's not teaching her children how to be responsible and grow up and do the things they need to know how to do on their own, which is what God's called us to do, to raise them and release them. So what I want to say is we are much more attractive when we're humble and we're real and we're approachable. And y'all, I have to tell you this. I just realized the hem of my pants is stapled. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking about being real. I think, oh my gosh, I never hemmed my pants. They're still stapled. <sighs> so, you have it here. We're definitely not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't get that last service. I know. I thought you were fixing to leave the stage. I was just in a panic. Like, oh, okay. No. Um, As we we look at the outline, we want to look at A, a myth of total parental involvement. 
Uh, this is just simply looking at the fact that we're 100% involved in our children's lives and uh, that we think we have to do everything all the time and be there for them in every situation, maybe even at the cost of neglecting our husbands. And I just want to say we know that's not God's plan for our life Amen. and that when we do that, we tend to make an idol of our children. What are we really worshiping there? We must really seek the Holy Spirit and ask Him the level of involvement He wants us to be in our children's life. I'm certainly not saying don't be involved because I love being a part of mine, but you do need to be careful of that. I know how we moms love to be with our kids. Also, point B is the myth of total parental enjoyment. I know before children I certainly fell for this one, um, thinking that motherhood was all fun. And that having children was just the greatest, cutest thing. And uh, the reality is, it's hard. It's hard. And there's been days, um, I can remember when Keith did youth ministry and went on um, mission trips and was gone for three weeks. I literally waited at the front door. And the minute he walked in, I said, I can't even find my mother badge. But if I did, I'd give it to you. I'm out of here. I'm going to the mall. So we all know that it is not always fun and games. It also has hard times as well. Point C is the myth of total parental responsibility. This is an area God has really had to work with me on, and I still struggle at times. This is where we get caught up in the lie that Satan tells us that all success of our children depends on us. He also tries to tell us that all the failures of our children are our fault. We've got to be careful here. We must take our role seriously as a parent and take responsibility where maybe we have failed and follow the guidelines God's put before us. But we also need to realize we can't control our children 24-7. It's just not possible. We can see this in small children in the nursery. Um, you know, you can guide a child and tell them the right thing to do, and yet still they will make their own choice and often even bring harm to themselves. This is one I've struggled with recently, and I felt like the Lord really pointed something out that really just hit me hard. And he said, Donna, when you try to take that full responsibility, that is nothing but pride. Who do you think you are that you can be everywhere all the time and anticipate every situation to control your children? He pointed out that he's the only one who knows all and sees all and can be everywhere. So I urge you to seek the Lord on these issues and remember that God is a perfect parent. And we know that Adam and Eve still made a wrong choice on their own. We also want to look at number four and refocus on the ultimate reward of motherhood. Psalms 127.3 says children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. And with that gift comes the privilege and responsibility to take advantage of teachable moments. I love where Titus talks about walking along the road with your children and teaching them. However, I certainly don't do much walking along the road, but I do tend to live in my car um, got put a lot of miles on those cars with children. But that's when I found there's the best time to teach and talk about the things of the Lord and talk about their day and guide them through situations. We have a rule that when we're locked in that car together and we're strapped in, we turn the radio off and eventually they'll talk to you. <laughs> It seems to work. This is also why I chose, um, and this was just a personal decision. Please don't feel conviction on this. Um, it's also why I chose never to carpool. We tried it, and it just didn't work. I felt like I missed out on what was going on in their life. Um, but I also have to add, gas was 99 cents a gallon back then, and I drove a Honda. So, you know, today you have to adjust and do what God leads you to do. But just take advantage of those teachable moments and look for those times when you know you've got their attention and you can share what God's doing 
doing in your life and theirs. That's awesome. And uh, I want to move to point five with you if I can. Uh, recover from your family's past or repeat it. Now, I get very passionate about this, and I want to get up and leave, Donna, but I won't, sweetie. But this is a section called generational sins. If you've been reading the scripture for any time, you're aware of that concept. And what I've learned in pastoring over the years is there's a lot of dysfunction in homes. There's a lot of classic dysfunctionals. Uh, maybe you grew up in a home, maybe you had an alcoholic in your home, and that certainly qualified to be dysfunctional. Maybe there was abuse in your home. Maybe there was some kind of emotional stronghold or something that tore down. But here's the good news of the gospel. You don't have to follow in the footsteps of your parents if they were very unhealthy and maybe they inherited that from their grandparents because we have the ability in Jesus to destroy the inheritance of family bondages. I mean, it's an awesome thing. And we can pray because our kids will tend to have tendencies like us. You can see things in your kids that, that you modeled and they begin to model it. And they go, I would never be like you. And then they become like you in that way. You're like, oh, we must have passed on a generational gene here. Well, Deuteronomy in the 30th chapter, right down the 19th verse, it says this. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both of you and your descendants will live. So he's trying to illustrate a principle here. We have the power of choice to choose life and death, blessing and curses. But it's also over in the 34th chapter of Exodus, the 6th to the 7th verse. I want you to hear this. There's some good news. And then there's some bad news. And let's listen to scripture. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God is merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty. And you go, wow, that is a God of love. That's a God that forgives. That's a God that pardons. That's the good news. Let's look at the bad news. But... The iniquity of the fathers, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. There is abundant grace and mercy and forgiveness in Jesus this morning. That's the hope that we've come to proclaim. But there is equally an inheritance of bondage, of iniquity, of sin that can trap us. And we can make a decision. Hear this. Everybody here today hears my voice in the living room. You hear Donna or you hear it on the internet. You can leave a different legacy. Don and I are very grateful that her mom, that I just love this woman, she's my mom, and I'm going to love on her all afternoon. But Don and I were the first ones to really just be sold out on fire for Jesus, and we decided that we were going to raise our kids, and we started that. Her mom loves Jesus so much. But you know, here, here's the deal. So Don and I have this strong generation. Our kids are came to faith in Christ. And our prayers that generation after generation will inherit the blessing of God. Is that not good news? So here's the thing I'm trying to say to you this morning. You might say, Keith, my home is so filled with sin and dysfunction. You can break the cycle. And the church said, it's awesome news. I mean, I talk to people all around our church. They're like, if you knew my family. I said, if you knew my family. And we just leave it at that. Okay. So God offers healing, not only for you, but your children as well. Go to point six with me quickly. Now, this is a section that I'm very passionate about also. I'm passionate about all of it, but the, Don only let me have a few points. No, we would share and say, hey, I do this, you do that. Well, this next section is really what I lecture on all around the country. 
I love to talk about prayer because it's kind of the thing that God has given me. With Randy coming, I'm so glad about having an associate pastor. Y'all pray for him. One of Randy's goals and mine is that I'm going to be free to hear from God more, to study more, and also to write more. So I'm looking forward to writing this. But I want you to listen to this. There's a book that I want you to, to, I want you to buy, ladies. The, uh, the Power of a Praying Parent by Stormy O. Martin. Don and I have all her books <coughs> in our studies, and we love this woman. Uh, she's an incredible woman of faith, and I like what she says. We cannot leave our kids' lives to chance, says Stormy O. Martin. We must pray. We have to intercede on behalf of our kids. We have to release our children daily to God. Don and I have been doing that forever. We stay on our knees. We, we pray for them constantly. We pray prayers of protection around them as they travel. We pray that they would be free of disease. We pray that God would expand their borders of influence for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And we love to pray these things. And Colossians 4.2 says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and then being thankful. So, <coughs> excuse me. So we want to give our kids... Uh, an environment, and that's what we encourage you to do, is raise them in an environment of prayer that they would obey the heart of God. And, and then the other thing is we've, we've prayed for their future mates forever. We continue to pray that God would send godly young men into our lives of our children and that he would make them strong. So moms, hear this. If you don't hear anything that I say today, maybe everything Donna says, moms, your prayers make a difference. Your prayers release power. And the devil will come to make you busy. He'll come to thwart the plans of righteousness. And he'll try to stop you. And he will fight you on this thing. Do not let the devil win. Fight on your knees for your children. And it will pay incredible dividends. And Donna wants to share a really neat insight here, I think. Something I pray for my children is that they'll get caught. Um, that may sound mean at first, but I do. I pray that they'll get caught if there's something going on in their life. Mark 4.22 really is one of the verses I use when I pray this. Um, it says, for whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. And I pray this not because I want to be a mean mom, but because I love my children so much that I want them to be caught quickly so that we can deal with it and take care of it before it has a chance to become a habit in their life. So I would encourage you to pray for your children to get caught, and it's only because we love them that we want to take care of that early in their life. Number seven says, release the blessing. Tell your children you love them. Affirm them. Correct them and train them and speak the truth in love. But don't ever just assume that they know you love them. Say it out loud and say it a lot. Build them up. Our words as parents have amazing power. Um, words are the things that set us apart from every other creature on the planet. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Um, words are also the way God has chosen to speak to us the way he has chosen to guide our lives. We need to realize that words are containers of power and that when we speak words, we set things in motion. Just let yourself think for a minute how it feels when someone says, I love you. It sets something in motion within you. Think about how it feels when someone says, I hate you. You're stupid. Those words set things in motion as well. We need to be very aware of the power of the words we speak. Um, the scripture tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it. I don't know about you, but those words can be pretty convicting. There have been quite a few words that have come out of my mouth that never should have. But God also says in his word that he will give me the words to speak. 
But I also believe that that's not just in teaching and preaching, but in every area of my life, he will guide me in what to say and what not to say. That's the area I have to work on the hardest. So seek the direction of the Holy Spirit. I have failed so many times in this area, but something I have learned about my life is that if I will let it, failure is the most powerful teacher. Think about that in your own life. Psalm 103, 3 and 4 says, If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. We must remember that God is gracious. He's given us a chance to begin again. He has set forth seasons. I was thinking about that as we were preparing for this. He knows just what we need and how much we can handle. Can you imagine if the day never ended? But no, night turns to day. And babies turn to toddlers, and an empty house can turn into a full house, and then a full house can turn back into an empty house. And I've often cried out to the Lord and said, is it always going to be like this? I've said it on good days, and I've said it on bad days, and each time he's answered me the same, no. Ecclesiastes 3.1 tells us, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. I just want to encourage you moms that whatever season you're in, it will not always be this way. Life changes and God has appointed this time for you. Ask him to give you what you need so that you can enjoy the journey. Wow, I'm so glad that you uh, got over your fear to come sit (laughs) on the platform. (laughs) It's not gone yet. Well, I just want to thank you and I want you to put your hands together and thank my wife for joining me today. Thanks, sweetheart. And uh, I just feel like, you know, she's a mom, and she has something to say. And and I hope that you have received from God's Word. That's been our intent for this Mother's Day, to celebrate the goodness of the Lord. And uh, so there's been something for everybody. Uh, What we want to do is we just want to have a simple prayer uh, for us in the service. And I want to pray a prayer of invitation. Maybe there'll be somebody that wants to receive Jesus Christ. Uh, If there's any elders and wives in here, I'm going to invite them to go over to the cross. And um, I just think there might be uh, uh, maybe an expectant mom. There might be uh, somebody that's lost a child. There might be a single mom that's struggling. There might be a mom that's got so much joy she can't contain it. But I'm just going to invite some of the women maybe just to walk over to the cross and be prayed for and prayed over. It would be a great time to do that on Mother's Day. Maybe you need strength for the journey. But... uh, I tell you what, I am really glad that 29 years ago that God put me and Donna together. Actually, we've been married 29 years in August. We've been together longer than that. And uh, I'm so glad that she's my partner and that she's the mother of my little girls. But they're not too little, are they? They're uh, almost 19 and almost uh, 24 this summer. But uh, we're just doing life with you as your pastor. And as they say in some traditions, the first lady, she hates that term. But... Uh, we, uh, we just want to love you, and we thank you that you let us be your pastor. So bow your heads, and we want to pray for you. Lord, uh, we pray for grace upon grace to be extended to every person, boy, girl, husband, father, mother, daughter, God, whatever relationship. We pray for the people in this room, Lord, that today uh, maybe they enjoy a legacy of blessing, and we thank you for that. Or maybe, Lord, uh, maybe they don't enjoy a legacy. Maybe today they want to break the bondage and they want to go forward. So, God, we pray for great blessings to be released on women in this room. And we pray for blessings to be released on the people of faith today. God, we love you. And, Lord, right now I pray for anybody that maybe simply says, Today 
It's the day of my salvation. I want to begin a journey with Jesus Christ. I want to have a relationship with Him. And in doing that, all you do is simply say, Lord, I am a sinner. I need a Savior. I need Jesus. Come into my life and be born, Lord Jesus. Take my life and be my Lord. I surrender to you this Mother's Day. And God, give me a testimony that will stand, a testimony that will make a difference. Did anybody pray that prayer? If you did, just raise your hand high. Anybody do that this morning? Just You made a prayer of declaration of saying, Jesus Christ, be in control of my life. <laughs> well, if there's anybody that needs prayer, I invite you to journey over to the cross. And we just want to say from our family to yours, Happy Mother's Day. We pray that today would be filled with blessing. And thanks for attending our worship services this weekend. In the name of Jesus Christ, God's people said, Amen. I'll invite Jason. He's going to come and invite us to with our tithes and offerings. Last week we did really good. So if we need to cut the lights off, we'll do that again. Maybe you didn't know what you gave. I don't know. But give abundantly and cheerfully. You can imagine our expenses will increase. But let me tell you, we are so... Y'all, I'm so thankful for you, Randy, for you and Lisa. And I'm looking forward to serving with you too. And uh, y'all, our church is just scratching the surface of what God has for Christ's community. Would you agree with that, church? He has put together... Put your hands together like you really mean it. Amen. God's put together a really fun and awesome staff. So, uh, hey, have a great time, Jason. There he is, J-Mac, uh, our video star. You can go to the website, and you can read my articles, or you can laugh at Jason. They're, they're really fun. I watched them yesterday, even.